Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All righty, hour number two of our radio program. That's right. It is the Zach Gelb Show coast to coast on CBS Sports Radio. You can find us so many ways on Sirius XM, Channel 158. Maybe your great local CBS Sports Radio affiliate, also on the free Odyssey app, and make sure you jump on board on YouTube as well. And I love the YouTube chat, let me tell you. I know I've adopted now the Weedos and the Purple Drankers, as they called them from the Maggie and Perloff show, and still do with them uh, moving over to 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern time. But enjoy the conversations in the chat. And if you want to hit me up on social media, I'm always here, Twitter and Instagram, at Zach Gelb, that's Z-A-C-H-G-E-L-B. We'll do a little college football today. Coming up in about an hour 20 from now, as former Georgia quarterback Aaron Murray is going to join us. He's all over the place, uh, works for SiriusXM, ESPN, and also the volume, and uh, is very good on the air. So got some college football thoughts for Aaron Murray coming up later today in about an hour 20 from now. Um, I want to hear a little Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones does like 7,000 interviews on 105.3 The Fan. I believe that he is the best interview hit that is a weekly in football season with all the content that he does give. I feel like whenever Jerry Jones opens his mouth, whether it's on Sean and RJ or any of the shows on 105.3 The Fan, it always winds up making big news because you never know what Jerry Jones is going to say. And as Jerry Jones has gotten a little bit older, you almost need a Jerry Jones translator because there's sometimes when you're listening to Jerry Jones and you go, huh, is this like my crazy uncle talking? Like, what the heck is this guy trying to say? Now, (laughs) what did Maggie and Perloff do with Aaron Rodgers? Like, what the bleep is Aaron Rodgers talking about today? I almost want to say sometimes, what the bleep is Jerry Jones actually trying to say? So I have not heard this audio yet. So I don't know if it is crazy Jerry Jones or if it's somewhat normal Jerry Jones. We'll get to it in just a bit. But I will never forget when the whole Dak Prescott situation happened with the contract that they made him wait and wait and wait. He talked about how when you're in the forest and you slice your hand open in order to repair the cut, sometimes you use your your liberal arts degree and your bachelor degree compared to your master's degree to sew back up the hand. And I was trying to translate that, and I go, maybe he was saying what you're a master in and what you got your your extra degree in and what your big focus is in, in the world isn't the skills that you need to sometimes try to fix a situation, and maybe it was a minor detail that you learned when you were an undergrad. That was my best stab at it a few years ago, but there's been a lot of times 
where Jerry Jones speaks and I just don't have a damn clue what he's trying to say. So I think he was clear and concise, I believe, with the way that Santer set it up for me before the show. But let's listen up. This is Jerry Jones on 105.3 The Fan with Sean and RJ talking about the matchup this weekend. Big game on Sunday Night Football. Bum, bum, ba bum 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 Between the Cowboys and the 49ers. They are right now uh, probably the uh, most likely team to uh, go in the Super Bowl. And, uh, but in order for them to get there, they've got to go by us. But the bottom line is that uh, you're playing the best. You don't need the game to tell you that you're playing the best, but you need the game to uh, show you how you stack up against the best. Out of all the quotes that I've heard from Jerry Jones throughout the last two to three years, that was actually the most like sensible quote from Jerry Jones. He's 100% right. Well, kind of 100% right. In terms of he's playing into how big of a game this is, He knows the Cowboys right now on paper are a top three team in the NFC. And when you're blowing out the Giants, when you're blowing out the Jets, when you're blowing out the Patriots, it's tough for me to really say, oh, the Cowboys are definitely better than where they were a year ago. Because the Cowboys the last two years have been a really good football team in the regular season. They've won back-to-back years of 12 games. And then come playoff time, Against the 49ers, this team didn't get the job done, and their quarterback failed them on the biggest stage. So now, you're going up against the 49ers, and it's a wonderful litmus test game for us to try to see, are the Cowboys actually different this year compared to the Cowboys the last two years? The only thing that I'll take a little issue with when it comes to Jerry Jones is I don't see how you could definitely say that the 49ers are better than the Eagles right now. Because he basically said it, right now, if you look at the NFC, the team most likely to go to the Super Bowl is the 49ers. How? The Eagles haven't taken a step back. They still have Jalen Hurts. They have A.J. Brown. They have Devontae Smith, skinny Batman as they call him in Philadelphia. You have Dallas Goddard, maybe the best offensive line in football, and you have a defense that's deep. And oh yeah, by the way, This is an Eagles team, and I know the 49ers fan is going to tell me, oh, we lost Brock Purdy. That's fair. But last year, when I watched the Super Bowl, and I was at the Super Bowl, I watched the Philadelphia Eagles, not the San Francisco 49ers. Now, later in the season, the Eagles will welcome the 49ers back to South Philadelphia, and that's going to be maybe the biggest game of the NFL regular season, especially with how nasty it's been between those two fan bases in the Eagles and the 49ers. But I do understand where the Eagles are your rival if you're the Cowboys inside the NFC East and you're going up against the 49ers. Maybe that's why Jerry Jones this week elected to say, yeah, they're probably the team that's going to go to the uh, the Super Bowl, take a little friendly shot at the Eagles, and also send the message to your team, this is a big test. And this is the first time where if the Cowboys want to shut me up where there's a reason why I call the the Cowboys the drama Dallas choking Cowboys, where they haven't been to an NFC title game since 1995. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 1995. This could send a big message to the NFL that the Cowboys are for real this year. Because I look at the Cowboys as a team that they have a championship defense, but I don't trust their quarterback in the big moments. And you examine Dallas, I do believe there's a separation 
where the Eagles and the 49ers are like kind of neck and neck, but they're up here, and then it's the Cowboys that are below them. There is that separation. Now, you don't win a Super Bowl this week. You don't win an NFC title game this week, but the Cowboys, without even fully examining the rest of the slate, they have the most to prove this week. Because the Dallas Cowboys, if they lose to the 49ers, we're going to look at them and say, oh, the Cowboys will be good. The Cowboys will have double-digit wins, but they dropped the game that they should have never dropped against the Cardinals, and that's when the question started. But against the elite teams, you see the separation. So we'll see where the Cowboys still have to play the Eagles twice, and you got to win one of them, and then you also play the 49ers this weekend, what the Dallas Cowboys are really made out of, where it doesn't make you just if you win the game say, oh, the Cowboys are definitely great and the Cowboys are going to be awesome and the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl. But if you lose this game, coming up on Monday, you're going to hear a lot of people say, ah, this Dallas team, the real Dallas Cowboys are standing up. And I thought that was a good response by Jerry Jones. (laughs) I didn't think we were going to, when we played that audio, and I, I did not believe when... Santa said, oh, you got to hear this Jerry Jones audio before the show. It was going to result in something that I clearly and thoroughly understood with Jerry Jones. So let me give you my NFC power rankings with what I've seen, just the NFC, through the first four games of the season. In at number five, I have the Detroit Lions. The Lions in week one had an enormous victory. I look at Detroit as a team that I was a little bit skeptical on them before the start of the season. You know, I like Dan Campbell. You know, I bite off your kneecaps, drink about 10,000 cups of coffee. I'm a fan of Dan Campbell. And that offense, you knew it was going to be able to put up a lot of points. You know, Jared Goff is a solid quarterback. Amara St. Brown, he may be the new Keenan Allen, where everyone says, oh, he's the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL. You know, he's one of those guys that gets that Everyone says he's like the most underrated wide receiver in the league. You'll eventually get back Jamison Williams off the gambling suspension. Sam Laporta has done a really good job, and that's a good draft pick. I've been disappointed with how early that they used Jameer, uh, you know, uh, took Jameer Gibbs with the 12th overall pick. The way that they've utilized him, I would thought that we would see more of Jameer Gibbs, but David Montgomery has done a good job. But the Lions are in at five, and against a team in, in the Packers, which was on Thursday night to kick off week four, they sent the message that there is a big discrepancy between the Lions and the Packers because you look inside that NFC North, right? The Vikings stink right now. And you you examine the the rest of that division. The Bears are awful. This is a two-team race between the Lions and the Packers, and the Lions clearly showed that they are a better team. So I put the Lions in at number five. Four, it's the Seahawks. I loved what I saw from the Seahawks secondary last night. We know... Last year, they drafted uh, Reek Woolen, and then this year, they drafted uh, Witherspoon, the the cornerback who had the pick six and just a monster performance. You saw Seattle, and I thought their draft strategy the last two years was fascinating. Right? They draft Kenneth Walker, who I love the running back. They draft uh, Tyreek Woolen in the fifth round, who had turned out to be a star last year. And then from there, they doubled down this year, early on in the draft, taking a, uh, a cornerback in the top five and then taking Zach Charbonnet, out of UCLA, also in the second round. And they have found a way to put a lot of young players and really capitalize off this Russell Wilson trade. And Geno Smith has turned out to be like a good quarterback in this league, which is crazy to say. 
So Pete Carroll has done a phenomenal job. The Seahawks beat the Lions. So I have to put the Seahawks in front of the Lions. But the big question this year was Seattle's defense ready to take that next step. They embarrassed Daniel Jones last night. I know he didn't have Andrew Thomas. I know he didn't have Saquon Barkley. But they had Jones under duress. And they kind of showed why Daniel Jones isn't a franchise quarterback. So I put the Seahawks in at number four. And then number three, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Right? We just talked about it for eight minutes. Mike McCarthy, I think, doesn't get enough credit for the job that he's done the last two years. And really the way that Mike McCarthy, I don't want to say check his his ego, but has found a way to delegate where it got so nasty at the end between Rodgers and McCarthy in Green Bay. But in Dallas, and McCarthy's even said that, he's not been intimidated by Dan Quinn. And Dan Quinn has done a wonderful job with his defense. But a lot of people are speculating, oh, well, Dan Quinn one day replaced Mike McCarthy. And even McCarthy has said a few years ago, I probably let that get to me and have Dan go somewhere else. But he realized it's what's in the best interest of the team. And, you know, he did have a little power play that was won with the whole Kellen Moore situation. I think Kellen Moore is such an overrated coach in this league. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to be head coach, head coach, head coach. Uh, McCarthy just wanted to move on from him. And I know he's landed with the Los Angeles Chargers, which is a good landing spot with all their talent. But to go from offensive coordinator to offensive coordinator, when people a few years ago had you as a trajectory of being a head coach, kind of shows you that Kellen Moore isn't all that. But for the Cowboys, it's very simple. Are you going to be able to beat the top dogs? And that's the 49ers and the Eagles inside the NFC. They got an opportunity this weekend against the 49ers, and they have two opportunities coming up against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. And And number two, I do put the Niners in there when I'm ranking my top five in the NFC. The Niners are in at two. They have a ridiculous roster. The the big difference why I put the Eagles in at one compared to the 49ers in at two is just the, the quarterback. Like Jalen Hurts is an elite quarterback. We've seen Jalen Hurts the last two years show that he is capable of winning MVPs in this league and he got to a Super Bowl and he outperformed Patrick Mahomes on the biggest game in the game in the Super Bowl. So I just believe more in Jalen Hurts. These rosters are splitting hairs, but that's the big difference for me. And that's not me putting down Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy has been rocking out with this Brock out, and he's been looking pretty awesome. Uh, you got a little scared there, Sam. You haven't heard me say that before. I was like, where's the dump button? Where's the dump button? Yeah, don't don't worry. You don't have to dump me. You know, there is one day that maybe I'm going to slip up and, and say that the wrong way, but it has not happened just yet. And just because you said that, it's going to happen this week. Yeah, so anyway, I'll get back to a story in just a second off of that where one time I unintentionally cursed on the air and said something that I was not allowed to say, but it wasn't done intentionally. But just to put a bow on this and wrap up the point, Brock Purdy can be really good. I've just seen more of Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts being an elite level where Brock Purdy, I still think we're all trying to figure out, is it more of Brock's excellence individually or is it just being in a great system? So the one quick story, um, I was a little bit annoyed about some money that I may have lost. You know, it wasn't big time bucks, but when you're right out of college and I was working on this station in, in Philadelphia, I was doing post game and it was the day after, remember when Marcus Mariota threw a ball, caught it in the playoff game and then scored a touchdown. It was uh, Tennessee up against Kansas City. And I couldn't believe once Travis Kelsey got hurt in the game, when you had the league's leading rusher. In Kareem, pause, 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 Hunt. 
that they didn't give him the ball at all in the second half. And I know Andy Reid loves to abandon the run game all the time. So I said that very quickly, and I may have said a word that you're not allowed to say on the radio. And I did not have a great producer back then <laughs> that was very astute and that was plugged in on either, I think it was a, an early Sunday morning, which makes sense, Saturday primetime playoff game, uh, Kansas City going up against uh, the Tennessee Titans, and the producer didn't dump it. And there was two times on that station where something was said that should have been dumped that wasn't. That one, you know, happened. I think everyone was, like, okay with it because you could tell what I was trying to say. The other, I had someone uh, prank phone call me and say they wanted to do something with my mother, which was not that nice. And I pressed the dump button, and so did the producer. But sometimes, like, behind the scenes of radio, when you carry live games, they take the delay off. Someone never put the delay back on. So we dumped it, and it never actually dumped because someone didn't ramp back up the delay. And I know you being a big-time radio guy, Samter, and an old-school radio guy, a veteran of the business. Sorry to make you feel really old. Uh, that probably just annoys you just hearing that story. Yeah, hearing me get screwed because other people screwed up <laughs> is like, that is, you know, like slow traffic, right? Other people mm -hmm. in impacting my ability to drive, a computer not working right, impacting my ability to do my work, or somebody else who I work with not doing something they're supposed to do, mm -hmm. which therefore screws me up. Those are like my biggest pet peeves and unforgivable offenses. Yeah, and I told management that I dumped it, and they were like, oh, it probably never happened because I guess they weren't listening to the like young weekend host, and it was new management too. It wasn't the management that hired me, so I don't know how much they actually love me. And then the same guy called their afternoon host a few days later, and I was listening, did the same whole line talking about that afternoon host's mother, and then they finally called me and said, oh, yeah, you're right. That dump button uh, wasn't actually working when it happened with their afternoon host. Now, listen, I've heard with the last name Hunt, mm -hmm. if someone's first name is Michael, yeah, I can I can understand yes. because you have the the. Don't give everyone the answers to the test here, Sam. Well, it's not about the us. answers. I'm confused. I can understand how you combine that letter of Mike. I just with that, I just said Kareem, it very quickly. Where is that? I guess yeah. It just must be a mouth fumble. It happens. We mm -hmm. all have done it before. I just wasn't sure how the Kareem into Hunt <laughs> could lead into that word. Be very careful. Be very careful. That's why whenever I say the owner of the Chiefs' name. I always say Clark, take a deep breath, Hunt. Yeah, I always get uh, messed up with slip disc. Oh, disc. Bulging. Bulging disc. Yeah, I've seen a lot of update anchors do that Yeah, you got to slow down and disc. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it is the Zach Kelp Show on CBS Sports Radio. If you want to react to the Jerry Jones situation, you could do that, 855-212-4CBS. That shouldn't say situation, just what he had to say. And how do you kind of look at the top teams in the NFC? A team that I didn't mention, though, Tampa Bay, they're lurking. And Tampa Bay could maybe be in the top five of the NFC teams at the end of the year. We'll come on back, and we'll discuss the NFL MVP. Is this going to be the year where a non-QB wins the award? 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Tell me how you really feel. This is Zach Gelb show on CBS Sports Radio. This portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. We'll get into this MVP conversation in just a moment, but let me take a phone call here first. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Let's go to Mo in San Diego next up on the Zach Gelb show. Mo, what's happening, man? Zach, you sound good in the middle of the day out here. You sound great, man. How you doing? Well, I'm doing fantastic, and I appreciate that. And it's nice to actually get out of this building at 6 p.m. Eastern, take a nice little 25-minute walk home, and, and cook some dinner at a normal hour. So I appreciate normal that. Normal hour. Well, it's great. I talked to Maggie and Perloff this morning, too, so they're doing great. Anyway, I was trying to dissect what you were talking about there with uh, with uh, oh, Jerry over there talking about <laughs> that game. How about and them you're, Cowboys? You're correct and part of it and what you said this is a measuring stick game a measuring stick game at the formerly known as candlestick game um and so that's obvious because for the cowboys they have been knocked out the last two seasons by the san francisco 49ers so therefore they are a favorite and that's a team that um you know we have to deal with but i think when he says talking about going through the cowboys i think he's saying simply this we see ourselves as the Cowboys as a team that should be right at the top. And that does not necessarily mean that it has to be the Philadelphia Eagles because in, in, in Dallas's sense, they may have struggled with San Francisco, but their history with the Eagles doesn't say they can't beat Philadelphia. You're right on that. That's, not, that's a good point. That's not a given. As, as, in the last, as a matter of fact, you, you can say a lot of things about Dak, but his record against the NFC East is 28-7. and seven. Yeah. It's, it's gaudy. And so I think Jerry's feeling, and you have to feel that way if you're if you're you know if you're the Cowboys owner. Hey, we have no choice but to say San Francisco is the top of the food chain because they've knocked us out. It's the evidence is there, but we're not submitting to Philly. We can't. You can't do that. And that's I think that's what he was trying to say. And that's all. It all makes sense. Of course, none of that matters until you play it on the field. And every year is different, so we'll see how it plays out. But it sure is exciting. The last thing I wanted to say. You said that Brock Purdy is a system quarterback. Do you feel that Jalen Hurts is playing in a system? Well, uh, so so here's what I'll say, and it's a great question, Mo. You need talent around you to win. Like, if you don't have good wide receivers in the year of 2023 and a good yeah, offensive the line, the talent for sure. It, it, it is tough to do so. But what I will say, in the Super Bowl, I thought Jalen Hurts was the system. Jalen Hurts... Did everything, running the football, throwing the football as well. And Quez Watkins dropped that ball in the Super Bowl and did not help him out. I think Jalen Hurts looks like an MVP where I want to be clear here. When I say Brock Purdy is a system quarterback, it doesn't mean I think the guy stinks. It doesn't mean that I don't believe that one day he could elevate his game. I just haven't seen him enough individually to say that it's more so him than it is the system. I think Jalen Hurts could go anywhere right now 
and for the most part, light the league on fire. I don't know if that's the case with Brock Purdy. And you could be correct. You could be 100% correct. I just look at, you know, how the Eagles run their offense with the RPOs, with the running game, and that offensive line. I mean, it makes so much sense. They're doing it perfectly, you know, in, in sync with the strength of their team and the way it's set up. And Jalen Hurts, you know, fits in. Well, Mo, let me ask there. it to you this way. Would yeah. you rather have Jalen Hurts or would you rather have Dak Prescott if they were on the same team? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, and, I, and I'm honest It's not about like Dak doesn't have a lot. Dak has pieces. He, he does have pieces. But, I mean, he, he's, he's been an excellent quarterback for a longer period of time than Jalen Hurts. Mm, he's been I, good. I, 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 see, I, see, I see what Jalen Hurts did last year, but that was the first year he did that. So I still need to see – I still want to see a couple of more, you know, some more seasons of that to show. And if he does, there's no doubt he's, he's playing at a higher clip than Dak is. But to me, I put them in the same category. They're quarterbacks who are trying to get over the top. They're all trying to lead their team. They, they got holes. But they got good teams. And until they get over the top, they ain't gotten over the top. Like, well, no, they, they haven't won a Super Bowl, and thanks for the, for the phone call, Mo. But Jalen Hurts has been to an NFC Championship game, won the NFC Championship game, and has also been to a Super Bowl. Dak Prescott has not. Dean in Indianapolis next up on the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Dean, how are you? Good afternoon. Good. How are you, man? Doing great. What do you uh, got? I, man, Eagles are a great team. They're probably two top, probably top three team in the league. But Jalen Hurts is not a great quarterback. He's based off what? Average. Based off, he's got five touchdowns and three interceptions this year. Did you see him in the Super Bowl last year? Outplay the best quarterback in the league in what in Patrick that, Mahomes. What happened to that game? Who won that game? Yes, the Kansas City Chiefs. But just because you won the game doesn't mean that you outplayed uh, you another quarterback. You can't, you can't say but. Well, I hold mean, on. Let me ask you this, Dean. Do you think okay. Tom Brady played a bad game when he lost the Super Bowl to the Eagles and Tom Brady threw for 505 yards? Was was that a performance where you're like, oh, Nick Foles was definitely better than Tom Brady? Uh, you don't want to get me on Tom Brady. Why? Why? Because you're a Colts fan? Because you're a Colts no. fan? Is that why? System quarterback. <laughs> Dean, you're the biggest moron on the planet if you think Tom Brady's a system quarterback. Tell me all the great wide receivers that Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with, Dean. I'm I here. I'll take your phone you. call all day. Go ahead, Dean. I have one question for you. When the Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, mm-hmm. you, know how, you know how many team, You know how many people scored a point on that team? That was on the previous Okay. Season? Can you name me any of the wide receivers Tom Brady won a Super Bowl with in New England? Go ahead. Yes. All well, kinds. All right. Go ahead. Name them. I'm here. Take the phone call. Let's go. Name them. <laughs> you got nothing, Dean. Troy Brown. Uh, we could talk about the year where they lost the AFC title game with uh, Rishay Caldwell and Doug Gabriel. Like, come on. Uh, he made Julian Edelman great. He made Danny Amendola to be a really good wide receiver. And he didn't win a Super Bowl with Randy Moss. That was a great wide receiver he had. I know they had Rob Gronkowski. But, Dean, if you are living in the year of 2023 and you're going to call Tom Brady a system quarterback, how's the, the team been in New England without Tom Brady? Oh, wait, that's right, because Tom Brady was the system. That's maybe the dumbest, and I mean the dumbest phone call I've ever taken. And Dean is just someone that hates Tom Brady and he can't appreciate the greatness of Tom Brady. Come on. We're talking about David Patton, David Givens, uh, Troy Brown. 
Brady won three Super Bowls to start his career. And then won three more Super Bowls. And like at Brandon LaFell, Edelman's a good receiver, but not great. Danny Amendola, like give me a break. What a ridiculous phone call that was. Alrighty, here's something I want to get into. The NFL MVP this year. Who is going to win the NFL MVP? And can it be a non-quarterback this year? So I also think not only when you win the MVP, you have to have the individual success, the obvious statement, but you have to have the team success. And so far, right, I, I kind of feel like for Mahomes to win the MVP, he's got to be the number one overall seed. And Mahomes, as great as he is, the offense isn't humming yet. I think it's a different standard for Mahomes to win the MVP. No one else in the AFC West is going to win the MVP this year. The AFC South, there's not going to be a quarterback that wins the MVP. In the North, maybe it is Lamar Jackson, seeing where the Ravens finish out this year. And in the AFC East, there could be a conversation of Josh Allen and then also Tua Tunga-Vailoa. In the NFC, Hurts will be in that conversation. Now, we'll see how we're looking at Dak Prescott at the end of the year. I'm just going through quarterbacks right now because usually this is a quarterback award. NFC North, no one's going to win the MVP. NFC South, no one's going to win the MVP. And in the NFC West, I don't think Brock Purdy is going to win the MVP. So you go through that list, and with the Bengals taking a step back, it's not going to be Joe Burrow this year. And their offense has been garbage through the first four games of the season. But you go through that, and you say, hmm, maybe this is shaping out to be one of those years where we're accustomed that the quarterback always wins the MVP, and then the offensive player of the year is the best non-quarterback because that's the way the award has gone recently. And if I had to give you a name right now, and this is my offensive player of the year before the start of the season, I kind of feel like there's a great case to be made as long as he stays healthy for Christian McCaffrey to win the NFL MVP this year because it goes back to the conversation that we're having right now. I like Brock Purdy. You know, I'm not tearing down Brock Purdy, but when you think of the 49ers offense, Brock Purdy isn't the first guy that you think of. It's Christian McCaffrey. And they have other very talented players, too. Uh, my BFF in, in Debo Samuel, you have Brandon Ayuk, you have Kittle, too. There's a lot of talented players there. But McCaffrey, right now, is their best player on offense. So if I had to take a, a crack at this and say if it's not going to be a quarterback, who's going to win the MVP this year in the NFL? Uh, I, I'll look at the odds right now for Christian McCaffrey. Maybe I'll sprinkle a few shekels on that after the show. Uh, Santa and Stu. I know that we're all now accustomed to the MVP is going to be a quarterback. And maybe it ends up being Josh Allen if the Bills win the AFC East and maybe have the number one seed in uh, um, in the AFC. But it's looking a little bit around the league like there's a legitimate chance this year that a non-quarterback can win the MVP. And McCaffrey is the first one that should be at the top of the list out of the non-quarterbacks. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys. I mean, you look at what the wide receivers are doing. I'm not saying Puka Nakua is going to be an MVP candidate, but Justin Jefferson. Puka Nakua. Tyreek Hill, right? You're telling me Tyreek Hill can't catch 2,000 yards <sighs> and be an MVP candidate? Here's the thing, though. I don't think Tyreek will get to 2,000 yards because he also has Jalen Waddell on that team. I know he was close last year with 1,800. Ironically, it seems like he has his better games when Waddle is there compared to when Waddle yeah, is out. Yeah, you, you, you are right in that because uh, I know he, Waddle came back last week, but... Um, the week before that, he, he didn't have a, a tremendous showing. Um, but I look back the last two years, like Cooper Cup won the Triple Crown for wide receiver, didn't win the MVP. Justin Jefferson, there, I was pushing at like week two for him to win the MVP. He wasn't even close uh, uh, really last year. 
uh, when you look back at that, uh, you knew it was going to be a quarterback. So I do think it's so tough, especially for why if it's going to be someone, I think, and a wide receiver's never won the MVP. I, I think I mean, it's, right it's going to be Justin a running back. Je- Justin Jefferson's on pace. I mean, I know it's on pace. For 2,300 yards. Yeah, but the, but the Vikings aren't going to make the playoffs. You're not going to win the MVP if, you, if you're not making the playoffs. That's true. So then maybe we look at some of the teams that might make the playoffs, right? We're looking at Christian McCaffrey. He's the, the best back position, one. A couple of the wide receivers we talked about. What about TJ Watt or Miles Garrett or mm. Joey Bosa? So I'm sorry, not Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa yeah. over in, in San Francisco. So, There's a, Micah Parsons. If, they, if the Cowboys win that division and Micah possible. Parsons continues to dominate, there are some defensive players who are deserving of MVP consideration. So the, the four defensive players that you name, Micah Parsons, possible, especially with Diggs now going down for the season as well. <sighs> Nick Bosa, I think they would go more McCaffrey in offense than they would go defense. And then as as far as Watt and Miles Garrett, who are having sensational seasons, I just don't think the team success is going to be there. This will either be a quarterback or it's going to be Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion, for this year. Um, early MVP situation in the NFL, four weeks in. If it's not a quarterback, who's someone that you're going to throw maybe a few bucks on? 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. I'll update you on some of the biggest stories in the world of sports with some audio when we come on back. But first up with the latest CBS Sports Radio update, here is the act man, Rich Ackerman. Time for your daily news brief. We get you caught up on the rumors, reports, and reconnaissance from the day in sports. All righty, news brief time on CBS Sports Radio. This was on the Zach Gelb Show, which you're listening to right now. It's always weird to say because it's a different time slot when this happens, 6 to 10 p.m. Eastern time, so that's why I said it. Uh, This was Magic Johnson with me last week when I asked him if he is still the greatest point guard of all time after Steph Curry said that himself is the greatest point guard ever. If he got more than five championships, if he got more than three finals MVP and three league MVPs, then he's the greatest. Is he? If he got more than uh, number one in assists all time in the finals, uh, number two in double doubles, number one in triple doubles uh, all time in the NBA playoffs, number four in steals all time in the playoffs. If he got more than those numbers, he's the best. But the last time I checked, he doesn't. So that was Magic Johnson. Clearly, he was annoyed with. Steph Curry saying, even though Steph did in a respectful way, that Steph believes he's the greatest point guard of all time. And, you know, I expect Magic to say himself, because I believe he is. I believe that Steph should also say himself, because you're in that conversation. So this was brought up today at Media Day. This is via 95.7 The Game in San Francisco, where Steph Curry was basically asked to respond to the whole Magic Johnson conversation. This summer, you said that you're the best point guard of all time. Michael Jordan disagreed, and then Magic Johnson, you know, he said himself. What do you think about that dialogue? Do you think that's more of just a generational thing? It's all that. It's also the the unsolvable debate that is why everybody asks those questions and why everybody loves to talk about them. It's because I can say I'm the best, and uh, Magic can defend his position, and any other point guard can, you know, chime in. It's uh, the beautiful thing about basketball and the eras, like the way I answered the question at first, you know, obviously there's so much respect and admiration for what Magic did in his career. His resume is second to none. And so no matter what area you're from, no matter how, what your style of play was, traditional point guard, you know, hybrid, whatever it is, if you're in that conversation, then 
It's a job well done. So I even, when I asked the question to Magic Johnson, I said I thought Steph was respectful in his response, even though Steph said himself. I was really surprised how it set Magic off. And maybe this stuff gets to Magic, where you see an all-time great player in Steph Curry, and he feels like he's starting to infringe on his territory. And everyone loves getting called the greatest and the best. And when others start to say, hmm, maybe it's Steph Curry, maybe that did strike a nerve with Magic Johnson in the response. Let's go to LeBron James at Lakers Media Day when asked about if Anthony Davis is the face of the Lakers. I mean, he is the face, um, you know, and uh, he's another... You know, you look at all these numbers that surround this, this facility, all the greats that's come here, and 80 is one of them, you know. So, um, you know, the, I was very, um, very happy and extremely proud and, like, just super dope to see him get that extension uh, to be a part of this franchise for years and years and years. And uh, it's been a treat so far playing alongside of him, and I hope we can do some great things. Yeah, LeBron's wrong. He's not the face of the Lakers. As long as LeBron James is on the team, you can't say that Anthony Davis is the face of the Lakers. You may believe that Anthony Davis is the most valuable player on the Lakers because LeBron can't win on his own right now and you need Anthony Davis to be healthy but that's a different conversation whenever people talk about the Lakers right now the first player you think of is LeBron James it's not Anthony Davis maybe one day it will be Anthony Davis but that won't happen until LeBron James is either on a new team or retired from the NBA Here is Anthony Davis on the motivation to beat the Nuggets after losing to them in the Western Conference Finals. This courtesy of our friends at Spectrum Sportsnet. It's very motivational. I mean, obviously, you know, KCP's my guy, so you kind (laughs) of congratulate him. Like, you got this one. But it was just a lot of, like, the talking and all the Lakers. It was just so much of that going on. Like, all right, we get it, y'all won. But, you know, I think, you know, me and Brian had some conversations like, we can't wait. Well, the reason why there was a lot of talking was, A, you win the championship, you win the championship, you pop off. But also, in that Western Conference Finals where the Nuggets, let me remind everyone, did sweep the Lakers, the entire conversation was all about Lakers this, Lakers that, and Mike Malone fed into that and used it as motivation for his team. And when you win a championship, you look back at the run, and I think that was a big part inside the locker room. Now, the Lakers could have all this motivation that they want, If LeBron and Anthony Davis aren't healthy, it doesn't matter how motivated you are. But heading into this season, the Lakers aren't the best team in the West. They're not even the second best team in the West. I believe the third spot is up for grabs. But to kind of look at it the way that we look at football in the NFC, it's clear that the 49ers and Eagles are the two best teams in the NFC. And we're trying to figure out who the third best team is. Right now, I would say it's Dallas. In the NBA's Western Conference, the two best teams heading into this season are the Nuggets and then also the Phoenix Suns. And the question is, who will emerge there as the third best team in the Western Conference? Let's go to David Griffin, who runs the Pelicans, on uh, Zion Williamson and what type of shape that he's in right now. Everybody has alluded to Zion. Zion is obviously in, in good condition. And this was the first summer where we've seen Zion really take his profession seriously like that and invested off the court on his own in a way that I think is meaningful. Well, that's good. At least you're seeing progress from Zion Williamson. I don't know how much of that is actually genuine. You know, Zion does look like he's in better shape. So that would be saying that he, yes, put in the work this offseason to get into that better shape. But can his body hold up and will that continue? But this needs to be a wake-up call this offseason for Zion Williamson. And hopefully it was because we haven't seen a lot of Zion Williamson on the court. And I hope that does change here in 2023. Let's go to the newest member 
of the Milwaukee Bucks, Damian Lillard. He said he was actually pranked that he was dealt to the Raptors before finding out that he was going to be teammates with Giannis Antetokounmpo. This is courtesy of NBA TV with Chris Haynes. Everything was up in the air. I was on the phone and I just got a random text from OG, like, welcome to Toronto. So I was like, man, let me call this dude and see. And I, you know, I finally called him. He didn't answer. Then he called me back. He was laughing. I was like, okay. So we all knew that Damian Lillard wanted to go to Miami, right? Missing piece for a championship team. The Heat needed a finisher. Now, when the Miami deal wasn't going down, other teams he was thinking about, clearly the Milwaukee Bucks, that's a championship team. I saw there was one report that he was contemplating the Nets. If you're trying to win a championship, I don't get why you would go to Brooklyn. But the Raptors are also thrown out there, and the Raptors aren't anywhere close to getting back into championship form. But I thought that was hilarious that OG Ananobi behind the scenes texted him and basically said, oh, congrats, you know, welcome to Toronto <laughs> to kind of poke a little fun and have some fun at the expense of Damian Lillard and probably give Damian Lillard a little bit of a sports heart attack. Let's go to Miles Sanders, who I think is overrated with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, this is not going to make me happy. He, I guess he was asked about the fans booing in Carolina, and this was Miles Sanders' response. How does it make you feel when you hear the fans booing the offense? It's not. It's not cool. Um, it's not cool at all. You know, especially, especially at home. It's just not good for them. So Miles Sanders did something similar in Philadelphia. Your play speaks for itself. That's what I'll tell Miles Sanders. Where your team stinks right now with the Carolina Panthers. You're not living up to that contract. Fans are allowed to boo. Now, sometimes fans cross the line, but if they're just booing, and that gets you very you know, in a sensitive mood. I'm not saying you should like it, but I wouldn't go public with that. What do you want Panthers fans to do? Show up to the stadium and cheer when the team is playing like absolute dog crap? And I, I thought Malcolm Jenkins once handled it perfectly. It's when I was covering the Eagles and I was in Philadelphia. Eagles just won a Super Bowl. Their first game back against the Atlanta Falcons. They are down at halftime. They got booed off the field after the, the first 30 minutes since winning a Super Bowl. And Malcolm Jenkins got in front of the cameras after the game, and he said, I love that Eagles fans aren't getting spoiled. And I love that they're going to hold us accountable. I'm not saying athletes should love to get booed, but go play better is what I would say to Miles Sanders. And there's nothing for Panthers fans to actually cheer about. And finally, uh, let's get to Jonathan Smith. When he was running down the clock and milking the clock, he was rubbing his nipples, and he had to apologize about that. Not looking just only at our players on tape, looking at myself on tape, you know, in regards to how we signal plays at the uh, the end, communicate. Um, Got to do things better there. So for those I offended with that, I apologize. I won't be using that signal again. Who was offended by that? You're milking the clock and you're rubbing his male breasts, let's just say, for the uh, head, uh, head football coach. And there's actually someone out there that clearly said something to him. Maybe you shouldn't do that where he thought people were offended that you had to apologize. <sighs> I know sometimes people say society is soft and I don't always agree with that. But if you have to apologize for that, geez, Louise, that's a joke. Probably shouldn't be rubbing your nipples during a football game. Let's be honest. You do it all the time, Samter. What are you talking about? Before the show? I say you do that all the time. Zach Kelp here with you on CBS Sports Radio. Hey, 
Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.